Thank you for tuning in to Omni Wellness Studio, hosted by Keith Osment and Ali Rico. Through this podcast, we hope to bring you inspiration, knowledge, and strength through hearing about our experience and others that will help you win each day in life, business, and fitness. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Omni Wellness Podcast. I am Allie, and I am so excited to be back with y'all. A lot's happened since I have done a podcast. A lot has happened. The last time that I talked to you all, it was by myself, and it was right before my very first show. I gave my thoughts, my insights, my fears, what I hope to feel and see. And let me tell you, I exceeded every single expectation that I had of myself, exceeded it and surpassed like everything, everything. My very first show, nobody was competing against me. So that was kind of a given, but I learned a lot the second show, I ended up taking overall in the women's physique and in the women's bodybuilding. So two divisions took overall and I qualified for junior nationals, which is where I ended up going the very next weekend and earning my pro card, which just blows my ever love in mind. I mean, I just could not believe it the entire day. I was like, am I really here? It was a wonderful experience, loved every bit of it. And my next show is going to be in two weeks because lo and behold, there is a pro show right here in Atlanta. And it would just, it would just be a slap in God's face (laughs) if I didn't go. This whole time I have been led by faith and led by feeling and I really truly just follow that lead and pro shows don't come around all that often. The next one would be Chicago. The next one would be Tampa. Like they don't have pro shows every weekend right in your backyard. So it would it was just a no-brainer that we're like, okay, we got four more weeks, four more weeks of prep. I am telling you, if you had told me that I would be prepping for going on 26 weeks, I think is what it'll end up being, I would have told you you were crazy. It's really gotten in my head quite a bit. So I've had to do some mindset shifting this past week, I've really had to reframe how I look at this entire prep and how I look at this next segment, these next two weeks, because really we're just going into it for feedback. That's what we're doing. We need to know what to work on in the off season to where when I start back next year in 2024, then I'll have made as much improvement as what I can make already. I'm getting things like more back density. They brought up my shoulders. Um, Let's see, density, back density, shoulders. But that was if I was going to do bodybuilding, which I'm not opposed to going into bodybuilding. I got my pro card in women's physique. And I was also told that my conditioning was spot on. So as a girl who absolutely focuses way too much on her midsection, 
my midsection definitely is not ever where I want it to be. And it's what I pick apart the most. It's what I focus on the most. So for them not to even mention my midsection, that's what I love about physique and bodybuilding. It's not like the other divisions where you've got to have this super teeny waist and this V taper. It's nice to have, but they don't pick that apart like they do the other divisions. So I am super excited for how those three weeks, yes, three shows, three weekends, earn the pro card, going for my pro debut here in two weeks. It has been an incredible ride and I am so, so, so happy to have that news for y'all because like I said, the last time we talked, it was back before those shows even happened. So today what I want to talk about is what is it that might be holding you back from reaching your fitness, your weight loss goals? What might be holding you back? You might have reached a plateau. You might have done really well and seen the scale move in the downward direction. And you're like, okay, so what's happening? And you get on the scale and nothing's moving. Nothing's moving. Your measurements aren't changing. Your clothes still fit the same. So I'm going to go into this First of all, letting you know that I am by no means an expert. All of this is based on my own personal experience and what I have found to be true for myself and a pattern that I see among other people that I have worked with. So I want to get that out of the way. I am not a doctor. I am a nutrition coach. I have that certification, but I am not an expert. So just so you know that. And then I'm also going to go into this, assuming that your mindset is is pretty okay. You're not beating yourself up all the time. You're you've got a pretty positive outlook. You've seen other people accomplish more incredible things and you know that there's nothing special about them. And you know that you can do it too. So I'm going to go into this assuming these things. So please keep that in mind. These are physical things that you can do. Things that you can look at within yourself that you say, okay, does this sort of sound like me? Does something kind of sting just a little bit when she says it? Maybe, maybe, just maybe she's talking about me. And if if it feels like I'm talking about you, then I probably am talking about you. Okay. Okay. So here we go. The very first thing is you focus too much on the scale. I am just as guilty of this as anyone else, even living in this state of leanness that I'm living with my body fat as low as what it's ever been. I still get hung up on the scale, but not as not as much as what I used to do. I used to get hung up on the scale and it would just ruin me. I mean, it would just be like, well, what the heck am I doing this for? Um, You know, I've done this, that or the other, and I just can't do any more. And I would go back to my old ways and it would just, I didn't understand that there were certain things that could make the scale stay where it was or it could make it go up just a little bit. And some of those things could be um, stress, 
stress can make you hold on to water. So our bodies, especially women's bodies, they hold on to water when, when we don't know why sometimes. A lot of times it has to do with that time of the month. Sometimes it has to do with hormones. Sometimes it has to do with what our stress levels are. Sometimes it has to do with how we're sleeping. Whatever the, the reason may be, we may not know the reason, but we just have to know that if we got on the scale one day and it said one thing, we get on the scale the next day and it's up three to even five pounds, just know, look back on how you ate and just know that you did not eat enough to gain that much weight in body fat because that's really what we're concerned about. You can even lose body fat and gain muscle at the same time, and the the number on the scale will never move. Yet it still gets in our head because we still want to see the scale go down. It's like we're asking our body to do one thing, and then we're expecting it to do another. So keep your expectations in mind. Know that sleep is very, very important. A lot of our fat-burning comes when we sleep. I don't know all the ins and outs of it. I do know that to be true though. And I do know for myself when I don't get the quality of sleep that I need, I don't feel as lean. You know that feeling? Sometimes you just feel leaner. Sometimes I'm just not getting the sleep. And this past week has been one of those weeks I've gone to bed later than what I typically would. And I'm getting up earlier than what I typically would. Gone are the days of me getting up before 3 a.m. and getting to the gym by 3.30. It's more shifted an hour later, sometimes an hour and a half. On the rare occasion, two hours later. So I'm not getting up as early as what I did when I had to open up the smoothie shop. But this past week, I have been having to get up in that 3 to 3.30 area and getting on with my day just because that's just how things have been going. Haven't been going to bed as early. And let me tell you, I am feeling it. So just know that your sleep really does matter. The stress, this is something that I've learned listening to podcasts with bodybuilding competitors. And when I say bodybuilding, I'm I'm talking, I'm encompassing everything, whether it's bikini, wellness, figure, physique, bodybuilding, even men's categories. I'll listen to some men's podcasts because I learn a lot from each and every one of them. They've got different body types, but a lot of the same themes, they're, they, they, they all match up. They all line up together. And one of them is going to be sleep. Another one is going to be your stress levels. So you want to keep your stress levels down leading up into a show, especially the day of the show, because stress levels can make you hold on to water. That I did not know. So I'm very aware of my stress levels that week before and especially those days and hours leading up to the show. So I'll do a lot of things to just, (sighs) breathing is an important thing for me, putting my earbuds in as I'm walking to the venue, listening to music that I know is going to make me feel good. I'm not someone who's listening to a bunch of pump me up music. Uh, Florence and the Machine is kind of where my 
musical tastes lie when I'm trying to just get in the zone and zen out. She's got a couple of songs that just, they do kind of pump me up, but not like the heavy metal type stuff. I've never been that, that type of musical person, uh, which kind of weirds people out. Like if you, if you would be shocked if you saw me in the gym and you heard what I was listening to, <laughs> it's definitely not what I think most people listen to, but it makes me feel good. So you've got to do what you need to do in order to make yourself feel better in that moment. Even if you are super stressed, you can't look at what is. You have to say, what can I do to feel better in this moment and find some relief? Another thing that can make you hold on to water is if you are in a muscle building phase or if you did increase your carbs for whatever reason. Keith and I were talking the other day and I believe I believe the ratio was for like every gram of carbohydrate that you take in, your body will hold on to three grams of fiber, fiber. Oh my gosh. Three grams of water. I'm not sure if that ratio is totally correct, but it's somewhere along those lines. You get the essence of what I'm saying. For every bit of carbohydrate that you take in, your body is going to hold on to a certain amount of water. So that's why when people go on an ultra low carb diet, such as keto or Atkins, or they're just reducing their carbs for whatever reason, they'll see a drastic loss on the scale. And it's because their body is releasing that water that it was holding on to. So you've got to keep these things in mind. Big fluctuations on the scale are nothing to get excited about and they're nothing to get super down on yourself about. So try not to focus so much on the scale. Look more at your waist measurement. How are your clothes fitting? How are you feeling? How are you feeling? Like I said, sometimes I'll wake up and I just feel lean. And I, I, that's when I'm going to get on the scale, honestly. When I'm going to get on the scale after I have gone to the bathroom all the way. I'm going to be totally naked and I'm going to already have that feeling that I feel dang lean today. That's when I'm getting on the scale. I'm not getting on the scale after I've just had a refeed, which is six ounces of beef tenderloin, 250 grams of potatoes that I have tossed in a tablespoon of olive oil with my vegetables. Like I'm not going to get on the scale after that because that's a significant amount of carbs more than what I would typically take in. So of course I'm going to hold on to water. If I have increased my salt, I am a salt fiend. I will eat salt on everything. Okay. Everything. And yes, my blood pressure is just fine. In fact, I get my blood pressure taken regularly when I go to hydrate and I get an infusion once a week. They take my blood pressure every single week and it's always below normal. And that's just how my body is. So I don't worry about salt. I also know that salt does not cause high blood pressure, but it can exacerbate an already existing condition. So keep that in mind when it comes to salt. We should not be afraid of salt. Salt is a good thing. It is a good thing, but it can also make you retain water if you consume more than what your body is used to consuming. 
So that was number one. Number two, they aren't getting enough calories, just calories in general. They're not getting enough protein in general, and they're not getting enough fiber. Fiber is something that I am passionate about. I believe that fiber is like the number one thing besides protein that you can consume and focus on that will help move that fat loss in the downward direction. And it what it does is it helps you feel fuller longer. What it also does is it will help bulk your waist and it helps it move through the system more efficiently. It will help your digestive tract work in the way that it's supposed to work. That's why I'm real big into eating real unprocessed foods. I want my body to have to work to break it down. I don't want to make it too easy to break food down because it just flows right through my system. Like your body doesn't even have to work. You make it too easy on them. It's like, it's like having kids and you not making them clean their room or do anything for themselves and you create this cushy, easy life for your kids. And then you look at them when they're older and you wonder why they act the way that they act. And it's because you set them up for that. Same thing with your body. You make it way too easy for your body to consume and excrete the food. It's not working in the way that it needs to work. And you're not going to see results that you want to see. So fiber is wonderful. I love, y'all are going to think I'm crazy. People have already said I'm very passionate about Metamucil and I am, I am very passionate about Metamucil. Sugar-free Metamucil, I will make kind of like an applesauce out of it. I love it. My girl Ginger, she turned me on to this. I implemented Metamucil into her nutrition plan. And yeah, it's just the sugar-free Metamucil. You can get it, gosh, any grocery store, Walmart, drugstore, wherever. Generic works just fine. I've got the Publix brand up in my cabinet right now. I usually get the Costco brand. Get whatever you want, but I need it to be the sugar-free. It's going to be orange-flavored. You can even get unflavored. Looked it up on Amazon the other day. So what I do is I take a tablespoon of it. Really, all you need is a teaspoon It's just a teaspoon stirred up in some water and chugged before each main meal, and that will help. But my plan calls for an entire tablespoon twice a day, meal one and my meal six, and I will put a tablespoon in half a cup of water. I will stir it up really good and then let it sit, and it thickens up. Like that's what it's doing in your stomach. It's thickening up. And it's helping everything move out of your system. But in the little cup, though, before I consume it, it is become it's congealing is what it's doing. And it'll make like this really cool applesauce. And the longer you let it sit, it'll thicken up even more. And it's almost like a thick, almost like a thick jello. It's so good. I love it. I love it. Yes, I am very passionate about Metamucil. So fiber, you want to shoot for, I I like to shoot for 30 to 40 grams a day. The closer I can get to 40, the better off I'm feeling. People with IBS, it's something that you may be resistant to because you're like, oh my gosh, I cannot, it's going to irritate my 
system even more than what it's already irritated, it's not going to. What it's going to do is actually bulk up what's in there and it's going to help it move through your system even better. So keep that in mind. Give it a try. If you're worried, give it a try when you're at home where you know where your bathroom is, where you know you don't have to go anywhere and just see, just see what happens and let me know. Let me know if you give this a try and let me know if you become just as passionate about fiber and Metamucil as what I have when it comes to not getting enough calories. So there's a certain number of calories that our bodies need just to exist. If we were to lay on the couch or in our bed all day long, we still need a certain number of calories just to exist. And a lot of times when we have people come into Spartan Smoothies and do an Evolt scan, a body composition scan, they will be shocked at what their BMR is which is what that number is, the basal metabolic rate, just what you need in order to exist in a day. And they'll, they'll think it's too high. And they think that that's what they need in order to diet, in order to lose body fat. They'll think that they need lower than that. And no, 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 no. That's, that's like bare minimum of what you need. Then you've got your, you know, if you're, you're, just just moving around and taking kids here, there, and yonder and doing your regular work type stuff. There's calories added on top of that. And then there's calories added on top of that, depending on what your gym activity level is like. Do you do a lot of walking at your job? Are you weight training? Are you cardio training? Like, what are you doing? There's calories added on top of that. For me right now, I am... A hundred, let's just say 150 pounds. When I did my last Evolt scan, my last body composition scan, that was right before my third show. So let's see, back then I think I was like 140, 147, I think. My body fat was 11%. And my maintenance calories, my maintenance calories, So that's including everything. That's including my BMR. That's including my daily just activity level. And it's including gym time and extra purposeful strength training and cardio is like 2,500 calories. And I am 5'6", okay? 5'6". And I'm a woman, all right? So back before when my body fat was a little bit higher and my weight was a little bit higher, My height, of course, was the same. I haven't done any growing since I was 14 years old. I've been five, six all this time. Um, So the only thing that changed was going to be my BMR and that other number. I think they call it the thermic effect of exercise. I I don't know, the TEE. All of that together. So my total number of calories that I would need to maintain where I was I think that number was like 2,200 or something like that. So you've got to know that your body, you've got to work with what you've got. So if you have a certain amount of body fat on you, it's, it's going to factor in. It's going to play. So as your body fat decreases, 
as your muscle increases, if that's what you're doing, your body's going to change. So what worked for you before with your other body? So let's say that you have lost, you know, 20, 30 pounds and you're trying to eat the same amount. That could be what's causing a plateau too. You just not knowing how many calories you need. The body that you had before required different levels of caloric intake than what the body you have now. So knowing what your body composition is, and you can go to spartanrome.com and you can schedule an Evolt scan. You can schedule a consultation. You can come in and just scan whatever you want to do. Knowing that information is vital to your success. Knowing that, knowing how much protein you need to take in. A lot of times, especially women, I know I'm picking on the women, but we're a little newer to this kind of stuff than what the men are. We're not getting in enough protein. We're afraid to eat as much protein as what I'm about to tell you that you should maybe want to be shooting for. A number that I like to shoot for, I like to shoot for way over this number, honestly. But when I first started and someone told me, you ready for this, one gram of protein per pound of body weight, yeah, I about flipped out too. So shoot for, if that number really truly freaks you out, if it really truly freaks you out, shoot for like 0.8 grams of protein per pound of body weight, okay? Start low and then slowly increase. Mine right now, like I said, I'm about 150 pounds. My protein intake is over 200. And it's been that way even when I was in my building phase going into the prep. So we like to keep my protein around 200. And I get that. I don't get it by protein powders. I am really big into real unprocessed foods for most of my food. Now, I do understand convenience comes into play. Life happens. I don't expect you or myself to be 100% perfect, but I do strive to get most of my protein, most of my food from real unprocessed foods. And that just goes back to, again, making your body work. The more processed the food is, it's like, number one, you're introducing ingredients and chemicals into your body that it doesn't know what it is. So it's just not going to know what to do with it. And it could have very adverse effects that you may not even see until much later down the road. Um, when it comes to protein, you'll want to get it from things like chicken breast, Lean turkey, lean beef, eggs, Greek yogurt, egg whites. What else? You can, you can get it from protein powder. Someone asked me about protein powder the other day and I, I don't even consume a full scoop. It'll be like a half to two thirds of a scoop that's surrounding my workout. So The purpose of protein powder is, yes, to supplement, but it's to give your body a quick source of protein. It's not meant to be a meal replacement, even though it can be if you get stuck. 
again, I don't expect you to be 100% perfect, but there have been times where I have been stuck and I need something. And I've been very grateful that I've had my protein in the car. So I will take a scoop of that and put it in some water and chug it and be fine or do a Fairlife core power drink. Those things are wonderful. I love those things. We just started carrying those at Spartan Smoothies. So glad. I love those things. But just know that if you're going to depend on protein bars and protein drinks, ready to drink protein drinks, protein powders, you're going to not get the most of you're not going to get the best of the best when it comes to protein. Your digestive system's not going to be able to work in the way that it needs to work to keep your body running efficiently. And you might ex- experience some other side effects like the bloating and the gas. I hear a lot of times, um, you know, I get this terrible gas when I increase my protein. And when you look at the types of proteins that they're consuming, it's coming from protein powders, protein bars, ready to drink protein drinks, that type of thing. You typically don't hear about that from someone. And I could be wrong. There's going to be exceptions to every rule. But typically, you're not going to hear that from people that are getting it from chicken breast, lean turkey, lean steak, white fish, egg whites, maybe eggs, maybe there's some other stuff going on with eggs, but Greek yogurt, you know, that type of thing. Nuts and peanut butter are not sources of protein. They are fat sources that happen to have some protein in them. Okay. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Nut butters and nuts are not sources of protein. They are fat sources that happen to have protein in them. So number three, they're overdoing it on the cardio. I used to be a cardio bunny. I would work out and I didn't want to weight train. I didn't want to. I didn't want to get bulky. So I just did cardio and it worked. I would just run. When I first started doing this, I was like early 20s, I guess. And I would just run. And that was enough to get the scale moving, which is all I cared about. I didn't care about body shape. I just wanted to be a smaller version of myself. It wasn't until later that I was like, "Eh, I'm just a smaller version of what I was before. And I wanted to build some shape. And that's where the strength training, the bodybuilding, that's where all of that came into play. But what what ends up happening when you do the cardio over and over and over again, every single day, your body becomes very efficient at burning the calories. So have you ever been on, let's say you're running, right? And you're keeping track of your heart rate and where you would only have to run, let's just say five miles an hour, five miles an hour, you're on the treadmill, you're running and you look and your heart rate is you know, at 120 beats per minute and you're, you're feeling like you're really working, you're feeling it. Well, the longer that you do that, especially consecutive days in a row, consecutive weeks in a row, you'll put that miles per hour to five and your heart rate, you, you're struggling to get it over a hundred. That's because your body has become more efficient at burning those calories and Your heart has gotten stronger, so it doesn't have to pump as harder to do the same amount of work. So you've got to increase 
the miles per hour. You've got to maybe lengthen how long you're running for. You're going to get to a point to where you were like me and you were running six miles an hour for an hour and you even had it on an incline and you were still struggling to get your heart rate where it needed to be. That was a problem for me. I didn't want to do any more. I didn't want to run anymore. Now, it took a while to build up to that, but just know that the longer that you do it at the same pace, the less your body, the less your heart has to work to get that blood pumping through your body, it'll reflect in your heart rate. So if you are at that point, like just start paying attention to what your heart rate is. If you feel like you're not working that hard, then you're going to have to increase it. But if I were you, I would just decrease the cardio and start implementing some weight training. And I know that that can be very scary again, especially for the women, because we're afraid of, you know, if you were in my situation, I didn't want my legs to get any bigger. So I would focus on my upper body, whatever it takes for you to just get some strength training in, just meet yourself where you are. At that time, I didn't want to train my legs. Now I love training legs. In the beginning, it was just all about upper body. Another girl that I know, she feels like that she's got, you know, these these huge shoulders, huge back. So she doesn't want to train her upper body. She wants to train her lower body. That's fine. She's just started strength training. She's just started figuring out where she fits in this resistance training, bodybuilding world. So meet yourself where you are and just work the body parts that you like, for goodness sakes. And you might see that scale start to move just by implementing a little bit of weight training into your regimen. Number four, you aren't tracking everything. Sometimes we're resistant to tracking things because we really don't want to face the reality of how much we're actually consuming. I love tracking. When I have had the biggest results, the biggest jump on the scale, the biggest change in my body, it's been because I have been tracking. And back in the day, it was pen and paper, people. It was pen and paper. There were no apps. There were no smartphones. It was pen and paper. So I learned how to track my macros. And when I say macros, I mean the protein, the carbs, the fat. And yes, I was tracking my fiber at that time too. My total calories, all of those things mattered. And I tracked everything that went in to my body. If it crossed my lips, I tracked it. So that includes sauces, the licks and bites that you're taking from your kids' food. You might be totally underestimating how many bites of that dino chicken nugget that you are taking a bite of. The licking of the bowl of the brownies that you just made or the lick off the spoon from the macaroni that you just scooped out for your child. All of those things matter. Not weighing your food, that actually goes into the tracking your food. You've got to know how much food you're consuming before you can track it. And the best way to do that is with a food scale. And they're actually very cheap to get. Just get you a food scale. I weigh out everything, everything. 
when it comes to meat, when it comes to my rice, any pasta, potatoes, pretty much everything except for oats, grits, cream of rice, my liquid egg whites, everything is measured cooked. It just makes it easier, makes meal prep easier, makes it all just so much easier. And when I do put it into the food app, I make sure that I'll say, um, you know, rice cooked because it'll, it'll throw it off. There is a difference between rice cooked and rice dry. So I always do it cooked and I make sure that it reflects that in the app. So make sure that you are weighing, make sure that you're conscious of what you're consuming. That includes your alcohol. That includes your alcohol. That means measuring your alcohol out. What you might think is a glass of wine could possibly be 12 to 16 ounces per glass, which is going to be three servings, three actual servings of alcohol, which calorically speaking is a lot. It's a lot. So just be mindful of all of those things. Track it in an app. I like using Lose It. The My um, Fitness Pal has had amazing upgrades here recently. So check those out. If you're old fashioned and you want to do the pen and paper, do pen and paper. Just you can look up. Um, the Internet is a wonderful place. You can find anything on there. You can find all the macros for anything you want, including all uh, fast food and, and all that kind of stuff. So just use the resources that are at your fingertips, your literal fingertips. Number five, you aren't hitting the weights hard enough. So this kind of goes back to you might be like me in the past where you're afraid of getting bulky. So you're going to use like these little bitty weights and you're just going to just go through the motions. You really need to challenge the muscle. And just like with your cardio, where your heart becomes really efficient at pumping that blood through your body, your muscles become really efficient at working. So you've got to do something to challenge that muscle from the last time you worked it the week before or the days before. Whatever your workout split is, you've got to do something. And I like to do five pounds heavier than I did the workout before, or I like to do just one more rep. I like to slow the motion down. I like to do one and a quarter reps where you will, let's say I'm doing a squat. I will sink down into the squat. I'll come up a quarter, go back down and then come all the way back up. That's one rep. I do something to make the movement harder than I did the workout before. You've got to do something to challenge the muscle. So if you're not seeing any progress in a particular muscle group, you're looking for a kick to your metabolism, you're wanting to change your shape, whatever it may be, you just may not be working hard enough in the gym and that's an easy fix. Number six, you're putting others first. You're putting others first way too often. So you aren't wanting to get up any earlier um, because you just feel like that you've got to take your kids to school, which yes, you do have to take your kids to school. But is it possible to have your kids ride the bus? Like that was a tough decision for me. If that's not possible and you're just not going to do it, then you just may have to get up earlier. Like there's got to be a trade-off. You just might have to 
take your clothes with you and work out on your lunch break. You may have to go for a walk on your lunch break. If you're trying to get in 10,000 steps, it may take doing 10 minute walks through the day. You might think that you can't say no to people, but you can. You can say no to people. If it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. All right. You can say no to people. Um, I've told my kids no many of times because I have a workout to get in. I'm just not going to do X, Y, or Z because my workout is going to come first. I am not going to do X, Y, and Z because my meal prep comes first. It is okay to put yourself first. And sometimes, sometimes, not all times, but sometimes we use the people in our life as an excuse for why we won't do the things that we want to do. We're like, oh, well, my kids need me for this. Or, oh, my husband needs me for this. Or, oh, my boss needs me for this. When they really don't, when they really don't, it's because you know that if you say no to them, number one, you're afraid of their response, which is really none of your business anyway. You're more afraid of their reaction, which is not your problem especially when you're putting yourself first and you're putting your health first, but you're afraid of seeing the results of what could happen when you do start putting yourself first. And that I relate to that probably more than anyone. There are certain things in my life that I was afraid to commit to because I knew once I did big things were going to start happening. And as exciting as what those things are, And were, it was really scary going into that part of my life because it was just unknown. You don't know what your body's going to look like when you start shaping up different. You don't know what your body's going to look like when clothes start fitting differently on you. You don't know what your body's going to look like. So it's scary. You don't know what people are going to start saying. All of these things were things that I used to hold myself back. And it's really easy to blame the people around you instead of looking in the mirror and saying, okay, maybe this is out of my own fear. Number seven, this goes back to the alcohol consumption. You are consuming too much alcohol and you're consuming it too frequently. So here's a fun fact about alcohol. When it's consumed, your body will actually shut down all other digestive processes in order to digest and metabolize that alcohol because it is recognized as a poison in your body. That is just a fact. It is broken down into ethanol and your body doesn't like to have ethanol in its system. You ever wonder why you throw up when you drink too much? It's because your body recognizes it as a poison And that's what it's doing to preserve your life. It is expelling that alcohol, the byproducts of that alcohol. It's expelling it from your body in order to save your life. So when you're consuming alcohol, a lot of times it's with 
wings. It's with burgers. It's with your charcuterie board. It's with the cheese and the grapes and all these things and the bread and whatever it is that you're consuming, the wine and the beer and the, um, and the, the, the bourbon and whatever it is that you're consuming, your body is letting that food sit in your stomach while it metabolizes the alcohol. So that has a few effects. Okay. Number one, it's making it sit in your stomach longer than what it needs to sit in your stomach. Number two, your the rest of your body isn't getting the memo that you've just eaten. It feels like you haven't eaten at all because it hasn't exited your stomach yet. And it hasn't gone to the other parts of your body to say, Hey, we've got food, we've got nourishment. So it makes you want to eat more. So you're going to reach for the chips more. You're going to reach for more cheese. You're going to reach for another slice of pizza. That's the reason that when you drink, you tend to be hungrier and you get the munchies and you go for um, less than healthy snacks. When I was drinking, I, I don't think I ever craved, you know, bananas and apples. It was more like, let me eat the rest of these chips. Um, let me grab another slice of pizza. Let me, um, you know, whatever it was, it wasn't healthy. So that right there, you could be doing great through the week. You can be not drinking at all through the week. And then once Friday hits, it can all go hell to, how do they say it? It can all go to hell in a handbasket. So just be mindful of your alcohol consumption. I'm not telling you to quit altogether. I'm not going to say that, even though I know my life has drastically improved since I've removed alcohol altogether. My health has improved. My nutrition has improved. My body composition's improved. My skin's improved. Hair, everything, every aspect of my life has improved since I have removed alcohol from my life. Number eight. Ooh, this is a good one. This is a good one. You mistake physical volume of food with caloric volume of food. So what I mean by that is you can go to Chick-fil-A and get a number one. And the caloric, the caloric volume of that food is like 1200 calories. Let's just say, let's just say 1200 calories. You eat a meal like I'm suggesting you eat, which is four to five ounces of chicken breast, let's say three quarters of a cup of rice, and let's say a half a cup of cooked vegetables. You'll see that on the plate and you'll be like, that is way too much food. That is way too much food. I cannot eat that much food. There's no way I'm going to lose weight eating that much food. Volume-wise... Volume wise, yes, that food looks like, and it is volume wise, it is way more food than what that Chick-fil-A sandwich and fries is, okay? But calorically speaking, it's going to be, let's say, a fourth less. It's going to be about three to 400 calories versus the Chick-fil-A number one that didn't look like it was a lot of food. We'll hear people say a lot. It's not like I eat a lot of food. Yeah, but calorically speaking, how much are you consuming? Because that's all your body cares about. 
That's all your goals care about. That's all the scale cares about. Uh, calorically speaking, how much are you taking in? It's not about volume. Volume is there, you know, to, I guess, make you feel better. <laughs> Eating a low volume of food does not make me feel better. The more I can eat for less calories, the better I'm going to feel and the more I'm going to stick to something. So whether that's you or not, some people just can't consume a lot of volume of food. So what you do in that case is you just adjust your macros. This is where a nutrition coach would come in handy. You just adjust your macros to where you're consuming more calorie dense foods, which is going to be more, um, you know, higher in fat. It's going to maybe have more cheese. It's going to have more nuts. Uh, You'll use oils like coconut oil and olive oil and that type of thing. So there's ways around it if your system can't handle that kind of volume. But keep in mind that calorically speaking, caloric volume is much different than the actual what you see physical volume of the food. Number nine, I've got 10 of these, by the way. Number nine, you're staying in a deficit for way too long. So maybe your calories are set healthily, healthily, and you've seen the scale just drop and drop and drop and drop. You've been staying on point. Your foods are good, nutritious choices. You're drinking your water, which we haven't even touched on water. Water is a huge thing. I recommend a gallon of water. It's just an easy target. Yes, you'll be going to the bathroom a lot, but it is what it is. Our bodies are made up of what percentage of water? A whole heck of a lot of water. So you've got to replace and replenish and just shoot for a gallon of water a day. Like just suck it up, buttercup, and just do it. Just do it. Let's just say that you've been getting all of that, getting your water in, good food choices, nutritious, good volume, you're feeling good. And then all of a sudden the weight loss just stops and you've still got a little ways to go. You may need to give yourself a little bit of a diet break. And what that entails is you eating the same types of foods, just increase the amounts that you're eating for a couple of days, for even a week. Just see, just give your body a break from being in deficit mode That does not mean go crazy. If you noticed, I specifically said the same types of foods that you've been eating, just more of it. So people think that when I'm done with this prep and I go into building and maintenance mode that I can just eat whatever I want. No, it's going to be the same types of foods, just more of it. There may be some extra uh, processed stuff where right now the types of real unprocessed foods it's it's pretty dang close to 100% of what I'm consuming. When I am in building and maintenance mode, it's more like 80%, 80%, and 20% of that comes from things like little mini pancakes and turkey sausage and, you know, I can, oh, pita bread. I'm looking forward to those days. I really am. I'm looking forward to having my cereal again, surrounding my workouts Things just change up a little bit, but not a huge amount. So give yourself a bit of a diet break. 
consume the same types of real unprocessed foods for the most part that you've been consuming. Just consume a little bit more of it. Okay. And then the very last thing, it's going to be your mindset. Whenever I do anything, I really try to make sure that my mind is right. And that includes going into the gym. Now, I will tell you even a bad workout is better than no workout at all. But when I go into the gym feeling good, that workout is going to be way better than the workouts where I go in and I'm feeling bad. Same thing when I'm eating just regular meals. Like I'm, I'm just not going to sit there and feel miserable about what I'm eating because I believe that energetically speaking, it's just, it's just not going to do as well. It's not. So if that means you say in a blessing over your food, uh, if I find myself in a rotten mood when I sit down to eat, I'll just take a deep breath and, you know, I will, I'll ask God to bless my food. I'll be like, let this food nourish my body. Let the food co-create with every cell in my body to build the muscle and burn the fat that it needs in order to win bodybuilding shows. <laughs> like I've got to do stuff like that in order to get myself in the right mindset to eat. The intentionality that goes into the things that you do throughout the day truly do matter. If you're beating yourself up, that's not going to help anything. All that's going to do is continue that momentum of energy that you just don't want in your space. Be more gentle with yourself. Tell yourself, I am figuring this out. I'm figuring this out and it's going to be okay. It's all going to work out. Our bodies are so super resilient and all it takes is just shifting how you're thinking about something. A belief is just a thought that you continue to have. So if you find other people that agree with you, it's only because they've been thinking the same thing that you've been thinking. It doesn't mean it's true. So be mindful of how you talk to yourself. Be mindful of the people around you and how they're talking to themselves, how they're talking to you. You may have to shift some people around for a little bit. You may have to isolate for a little bit just to where you can stabilize your... uh you can, you can stabilize your own being. And I have to do that very often. Sometimes I'm getting better at it, but I do have to, you know, I'll find myself starting to wobble and I'll be like, okay, what's going on within me? I'm always looking within myself. Used to blame people. It's a lot easier to blame other people. It's a lot easier to blame other people. But really what I have found is that it all comes down to me. How am I thinking? How am I doing? How am I being? That's what it really boils down to. So there's 10 things that I believe that could be holding you back from reaching your weight loss goals. I hope that you found some value in this. If you did, give us a five-star rating. We would love it. We love hearing your feedback. We love it when y'all come up and tell us that you've been listening to the podcast, what your favorites are. We absolutely love it. And we can't thank you enough. I hope you have a great day and I hope you have a great week. Thank you for listening to another episode. If you receive any value from the show, please share, subscribe, and give us a rating. 